Welcome to Bible Mysteries. What if there are secrets in the Bible the world doesn't want you to know? You're listening to episode 172, The Real Reptilians. Now here are your hosts, Scott and John. Hello and welcome to Bible Mysteries Podcast. I'm Scott Mitchell. And I'm John Potts, and this is the show that talks about things in the Bible that the world doesn't want you to know. All right. Welcome back, John. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. Yeah, you bet. Thanks for being here. We got some interesting stuff to talk about today. Okay. So we're going to dive right in, I think, by let's welcome our latest seekers. Okay. I'll take care of that. So this episode is brought to us by our following uh, new subscribers, or what you mentioned we call seekers. They are uh, Michelle W., Kelly Joe Y., Rick P., Dan C., and Michael B., all of which came to us in August, and it looks like we're into September now, 2023. Yeah, that's great. We're catching up slowly but surely, and thank you all for subscribing. We appreciate that. And you know, John, one of the things I wanted to let our seekers know is uh, what they're accomplishing with this subscription uh, by by supporting us, uh-huh. they're able to help us reach people in such a way. And we started compiling a little list of people that have written us, thanking us for what we do yeah. and the way it's impacting their lives. So I'm going to read a couple of these. Um, this first one is from a uh, William R., and he says, I've been an avid listener since your interview on Coast to Coast AM with George Norrie last year. Uh, incidentally, as mm-hmm. of this uh, episode, I was just on Coast to Coast again this past week. Okay. Uh, so he's talking about a year ago. And he said, both my wife and I have become premium subscribers, so they're all seekers, uh, and listen to all your Bible teachings and podcasts. Your teachings have opened our eyes and spirit that I never knew or thought of before. I praise Jesus for the gifts and insights God has bestowed upon on you and your ministry. So that's a really sweet thing. Yeah. And William, we thank yeah. you for that. Thank you that for being here. fantastic. A... I mean, that that means the message reached him, <laughs> although it did reach him through George Norrie, but then he went and started seeking out more yeah. right, by listening to the podcast or going to UTV now or whatever. But And now he's taking it a step further by he's saying, hey, not only am I getting this information, I'm going to go ahead and subscribe yeah. so I can support this ministry so, to, so it reaches other people, which is truly what we're what we're trying to accomplish. Yeah, yeah. Almost like a pay it forward yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. And George, you know, it's it's because we've grown through the seeker support that we even got the attention of Coast to Coast. Yeah. You know, I mean for Absolutely the first time right. I was on there, of course, we were brand new and we had a we had a person that was instrumental in getting us on the show the first time. Yeah. But that could have just ended up being a one off. Mm-hmm. But as it turns out, we've been back on about five or six times now, and that's largely because they see, they pay attention to the growth we've had, yeah. 
yeah. the people we're reaching, and they're thinking, this guy's this. We need to have him on again. Yeah. So that's because of what you guys are doing, uh, our seekers especially, and of course those of you that haven't subscribed yet uh, are promoting us too, and we appreciate that very yeah. much. We have one more I'll share. We've got a bunch, but we're just going to do a couple each podcast. And this one says, "Hello, brother Scott and brother John. I love watching weekly Bible study, and also love the podcast. You guys are doing such a great job. I pray God continues to bless you guys." And that's another wonderful sentiment that people are praying for us. That comes from Chris, Kristen G. Okay. And, uh, you know, it, it's very humbling and, and encouraging to think about the fact that people are out there praying for us, you know. Absolutely. Because we are under attack. Uh, you know, well, I like the fact that Kristen mentioned me in there. Yeah. well, Because you're doing all the work. All I am is the guy that sits on the sidelines and goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And maybe adds a sentence once in a while, but I got mentioned in that. That's awesome. Yeah, but <laughs> it's like I'm the brains and you're the brawn. You know? <laughs> you, he, he's, the, he's the muscle behind the show. <laughs> so, no, actually, people do write me a lot. to think, to think They think you're doing a wonderful job, John. Yeah. So it's not, like, uh, it's not like you're just sitting there as window dressing because you are often asking the questions that the listeners have. You know, mm-hmm. and and we even talked about a little bit before we started taping about how I tend to go off and get too deep, and I'm I'm trying to do better with that. You know, that's the preacher brain in me, but yeah. uh, I think that you're great at saying, "Well, wait a minute, is isn't it such and such?" You know, because you're you're yeah. helping it bring it back down to the level of the people that don't preach for a living, you know, or yeah. something like that. Well, that's my hope right there, right? And I've mentioned it before on the pod or on yeah. the shows before, but and if anybody is gonna. You know, I know they're praying for you to put together the content that you'll get the message out to as many people as possible and all that. But if they're going to mention me in their prayers, it's it's that exact message is that something will pop into my head. That's the question that somebody out there listening wants answered. Yeah. And that they'll, you know, be sitting there going, well, they're listening to the show, but they're going, yeah, but what about this? And then I'll, if God will put it into my head and I ask it, then, you know, that's. That's what makes it all worthwhile. I guess that's what it's for. And that's what I pray about when I come down here. I'm like, first of all, don't let me say anything stupid. (laughs) Sidetracks the whole thing. You know I do that. But then the other thing is, yeah, if there's people out there that have a question, let me kind of be the the voice for that side of it, the uneducated guy in the room, right? You know, that wants to figure something out. Right. And and we really uh, are going to try better. I'm going to try better at making sure that we're reaching an audience because our target has always been as much as possible to reach people that maybe have never picked up a Bible or not very familiar with the Bible rather than seasoned Bible scholars, which we welcome them and and want them to to listen as well. But I sometimes forget that uh, we're also talking to people that may maybe have never cracked open the book. And we want them to go, wow, that's in the Bible. You know, it's it's funny because next week's episode is going to be our interview with this wonderful filmmaker named Ali Siadatin. And mm-hmm. Ali, um, that was the week that you were out. Uh, so um, it's just me interviewing Ali. So you'll get a chance to hear it too, because you, okay. you weren't able to hear it when he was with us on the uh, on the interview. But Ali is originally from Persia and grew up in a Muslim culture, and he was like that, knew nothing of the Bible, Mm -hmm. but began to search for... He gives this amazing testimony. You're going to love how he found the Lord Jesus Christ through martial arts, you know? Yeah. And uh, that's in in Canada. He ended up in Canada. Which is interesting, because there's a lot of Eastern (laughs) philosophy weaved into martial arts. Yeah. He found it through that. That's... 
look forward to hearing that. Yeah, really. And I was one of my questions, like because yeah. I had the same concept, and when he explained it, I was blown away. Uh-huh. So I don't want to spoil it for our okay. listeners. You're going to really enjoy this upcoming episode. Uh, he is. Uh, um, he's got a website called ThinkAgainProductions.com, but we'll have all that in the show notes for you because he's got an excellent film about UFOs and angels that you don't want to miss. Which is really cool. I watched yeah. that show. Yeah. But- Oh, you, I don't, yeah. you don't call it a documentary. It's like a short film, but it's all factual. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's awesome. Yeah. It, it really is. And it, it was done a long time ago. It's sort of, it was one of the leading cutting edge uh, mm-hmm. videos at the time. So, uh, in, in fact, we couldn't cover all that we wanted to. So we're going to have Ali back in a part two, okay. uh, probably, if not the next month, the, the, the following month. So uh, you look for him in February, and then we may have him back in March as well. Okay. I got a quick question before you jump in. Sure. Real quick. So the you started doing like a live stream on a Thursday night <coughs> once a month, right? Yeah. Correct there. Um, you have to tell me because I was on the live stream as well. But either way, is that for seekers only, for subscribers only, or is that for the general public to jump in and do that? Yeah, that's a great question, John. We went back and forth about that. And for now, we're opening this up to anybody. Okay. So well, we, we certainly want to encourage our seekers to tune in if they if they have questions and, and or submit them to me in an yeah. email if you want and we'll answer them on the show. And by the way, the next one, the next live Q and A is going to be February twenty second. Okay. So it's coming up this month. Uh, so you can plan to set that aside eight p.m. Uh, central time, central okay. time, and we do that to accommodate all the time zones in America. My point there wasn't to put you on the spot about you had to be a seeker there or not. If you are a seeker, fantastic. If you're not and you just have questions, because we were just talking about you and I, and I'm over here and hopefully I'm asking a question that people have, that's an opportunity for people to go onto that live stream. Yes. It's actually a really cool fellowship thing too, because we're sitting there interacting with people and what's going on is Scott is answering questions that people are typing in. Absolutely. And at the same time, I'm reading the questions because they're coming in while he's trying, he can't do both, right? Read questions and answer them. So then I'll stop the live stream and go, okay, this person has a really good question. And I guess my point is that all the people that are out there listening that have questions, if it's not being asked by myself or you're not addressing it, that's an opportunity for them to have one-on-one interaction with you. Yeah, uh, it, it really is designed for that. So we're going to try our best to keep that an open forum for anybody. Okay. We, of course, have our Seekers Forum that is by subscription only because that's part of the bonus content yeah. that yeah. we provide. And I, we want to remind our Seekers to re- be sure if you subscribe to the podcast, you have bonus content. You need to connect your account, mm-hmm. uh, join the BibleMysteries.com website where you can become, uh, where you create an account to join us and you can post things, read other posts from people. And of course, you have access to the newsletter, to the on the patio videos that I do, mm-hmm. uh, and of course, the full guest interviews, you know, because yeah. we only give a, our free uh, listeners a portion of the guest interviews. Uh, but for the subscribers, you get the whole thing. So, uh, and speaking of, interviews and current events and things like that. I want to dive into today's episode because it's really based upon current events in a very indirect way. Uh, We've titled this episode, The Real Reptilians, John. Are you Uh familiar with that phrase, The Reptilians? I am, and it's mostly around the UFO phenomenon. Like they're saying that there's a a race of aliens that are out there that have reptilian features, which makes you, makes you think immediately is kind of weird, right? But it makes yeah. you think of like some giant lizard man. Right. But then at the same time, if you put it in perspective, because Karen Wilkinson came on and gave a really cool account of she had a 
quote unquote, I'm speaking for Karen here, so I apologize if I misspeak, Karen. A handler for better I, That's terms. what she used. The word okay, is handler. Okay, so a handler. But she described him as not like being some guy that looks like a giant lizard. It was almost like she said he was beautiful. Yeah. And he had like a skin that kind of she- had a, like a sheer appearance that changed colors in yes. different light. So it's almost like you think reptilian. You're thinking, whoa, that's crazy to think that. But I think it's no. You have to put it into context of some kind of alien or extraterrestrial whatever it may be, demonic being that's a, that's presenting himself a certain way, but it's not this scary-looking figure. It may right. be something that looks beautiful or angelic, Well, I'm glad you brought, of better terms. I'm glad right? you brought up Karen Wilkinson because okay. Karen's our, our dear friend, and she's been on the show a few times. And incidentally, she describes this very handler yeah. entity in her book, Stolen Seed, uh, uh, Evil Harvest. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I highly recommend that you read it if you have not. And we're going to have Karen back. This year, sometime, okay. uh, to have a sit down talk about some of these things, but yeah, the, when she brought that up and when she shared that with me, that was the first time I thought of these individuals in a different light. Yeah, uh, and and um, yeah. you know the beautiful way he was, and he and he shape shifted. He yeah. could look like a handsome human military type character with a big jaw, you know, yeah, yeah. Uh, almost like a Dudley Do Right sort of character, uh-huh. <laughs> but at the same time, he also in his real form he showed himself, and that was clearly a reptilian individual yeah. but she never mentioned it as being scary scary or terrifying it was almost like he became more beautiful blackbird you know right in in visually but he was yeah. sinister and evil at the same time exactly yeah but so I'm just, I'm just yeah his appearance just became like exactly yeah awe-inspiring kind of like wow look at the way this guy looks but Anyways, well, talking about these things seems to be a subject that we can get into today because okay. news of unexplained phenomenon is increasing. Uh, public awareness of what appears to be hidden governmental agendas uh-huh. uh, to obscure information about these events is growing, right? Mm-hmm. And we know by the word of God that supernatural, I'll use that phrase because, you know, in, in God's eyes, everything's natural. Yeah, right, yeah. but uh, these entities will be manifesting in the last days, as well as the fearful sights and signs in the heavens and earth. And we're going to read a verse in just a moment to remind people of that. Yeah. Something Jesus said. But in addition to these, uh, this um, information coming out, portals are reportedly opening. Uh, wherein giant beings are supposedly appearing. We had this thing about Miami, which yeah. may have been a hoax, but yeah. but there's nothing new about any of this. Uh, if we trace the history back, we're going to find that, believe it or not, John, reptilian beings have been behind this agenda all along. Okay. So there are reptilians, or as Hecklefish from the Wi Files likes to say, lizard people. Okay. <laughs> Lizard people. So, and I don't think they look like iguanas. I think they, they look like they're beautiful entities. Yeah. And I think we're going to find some scripture that supports this idea. Okay. So we'll start in Luke 21, uh, verses 10 and 11, because this is where Jesus is speaking about the last days. And he begins talking about something he refers to in Matthew as the beginning of sorrows. But that time frame leads up to the time of Jacob's trouble or the great tribulation. And so in Luke 21, verse 10, he sa- uh, Jesus is speaking. Then he said unto them, to the disciples, nation shall rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. Now we're seeing that now, uh, I, would, I would argue. But I think it's deeper than just war in general. It's going to be okay. angelic nations, angelic kingdoms oh, wow. rising okay. against each other. Yeah, because my immediate thought was, well, that's been going on for 
millennia. Right. right. That's what everybody probably thought. I, I did nation too. Nation rise against nation. It's been going on forever. Yeah, That's I did too. But these are going to be specific nations as outlined in the book of Daniel. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, because everything's going to tie to the fulfillment of prophecy in Daniel. And that'll be maybe another episode we can get into. Okay. And then he says, great earthquakes shall be in diverse places and famines and pestilences. Again, you can say that's happened throughout history, but this is going to increase. And then the last sentence, and fearful sights and great signs shall there be from heaven. Now, that's what seems to be proliferating today. Mm-hmm. You know, I like the way we're going to have L.A. on again pretty soon, L.A. Marzulli. And I love the way he puts it. He says, UFOs are real burgeoning and not going away. And we're going to talk with him about the burgeoning next chance we get. Okay. Okay. So proliferation of this phenomenon. In the Bible, there is evidence to support the existence of a race of serpent-like entities who've been controlling mankind for ages. And I believe they will have a major role to play in what Jesus prophesied about the fearful sights and signs in the heavens and earth. Hmm, okay. I think we're going to start to see that. And we, we can discuss some scenarios about how that might play out. Now, in studying this, John, I decided to go back to a phrase that's in the Bible that at first glance you might think has nothing to do with reptilians or serpent people. Yeah. And it's the word familiar spirits. Okay. okay, so we're going to go read that, define what it is, and then ask, how does that tie into reptilians? So we'll go yeah. to Leviticus. Because familiar spirit sounds like somebody that died. Yeah, you think of the like root of I familiar as family. I know this person. Yeah, family. Yeah. Like, whatever, my great uncle died, and mm-hmm. now I see him or something like that. You yeah. Know, I'm familiar with him. And that's right. very close to what's happening, although uh, it's not actually a human family that we're talking about. Like, people sometimes think they talk to the ghost or their grandmother or whatever, or yeah. see it, whatever. Yeah. It's not their grandmother. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to be something else. Yeah. But it may be uh, posing as a family member, sure. you know. Uh, But it's really an imposter. Leviticus 19.31 simply says, Regard not them that have familiar spirits, neither seek after wizards to be defiled by them. I am the Lord your God. So in the King James Bible, that word is familiar spirits. And it's very much tied to witchcraft. Okay. In the same book, but next chapter 20, verse 27, uh, Moses wrote, A man also or a woman that hath a familiar spirit or that is a wizard shall surely be put to death. They shall stone them with stones, their blood shall be upon them. So they're connected to witchcraft and sorcery and wizardry. Mm-hmm. So there's something about magic yeah. that's tied to familiar spirits. And, and it's so severe that those who had them were to be put to death. So when we look at that word, familiar spirits, the Hebrew word is very interesting. It's ob, the okay. word ob, and it means, it's defined as, uh, first I'm going to read the second definition. A ghost or a spirit of a dead person. So exactly what you were saying. Okay. One engaged in the practice of necromancy, which is communicating with the spirits of the dead in order to predict the future. Mm -hmm. So now we're tying in a fortune-telling, voodoo sort of idea behind it. Uh, One that has a familiar spirit. So it can be the spirit itself or a person possessed with one. Mm -hmm. All right. And then the first definition is water skin bottle. Or necromancer, one who evokes the dead. 
So when like King Saul went to bring uh, went to, to the witch of Endor to bring up the ghost of Samuel from the dead, yeah. she was a necromancer. Yeah. Okay. Exactly. But then it threw me as odd that the definition was water skin bottle. Yeah, I can't figure that out. What yeah. That well, first of all, bottles for wine or water, yeah. things like that, yeah. were uh, made of skins for a long time. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Later on, clay pots or they were used for different purposes. And now we have glass bottles. But back in the day, a bottle was a container of whatever. Sure. And skin was the original bottle. Obviously, as we got more advanced, we learned how to make glass. But keep that thought in the back of your mind about a water skin bottle and how how does that tie into a familiar spirit? Because now we know it's the spirit of somebody dead, someone communicating with the dead, or a person possessed with that spirit. So it's essentially an unclean spirit. All right? Now... Deuteronomy 18, verse 10 says, There shall not be found among you anyone that maketh his son or his daughter to pass through the fire. And we've talked about that, Molech and the yeah, burning of children. The kids. Or that uses divination, t- telling the future. Or an observer of times, or an enchanter, or a witch, or a charmer, or a consulter with familiar spirits. And there it is again, hmm. Ob. And incidentally, the word ob, Strong's Concordance, traces its origin to a almost like a mockery of the word ob, and ob is father. Okay. So right. ob is like father with a with like you're you're disguising your voice somehow to say it instead of ob, it's ob, and so it's it's almost implying that these are ungodly fathers. And I think what we're going to find is we're talking about the dead spirits of the Nephilim giants. Okay. They're those fathers, yeah. the ones that the wicked want to come back, or the mm-hmm. wicked one. And we know those are the devils yeah. or the demons, the unclean spirits. The disembodied spirits of the giants are the demons that occur throughout the scriptures. Now, he goes on to say, for all that do these things are an abomination unto the Lord. And because of these abominations, the Lord thy God doth drive them out from before thee. And he was talking about when you go into the land of Canaan, uh, the Lord used Israel to drive the, the inhabitants of the land of Canaan out because... There were giants there, the Rephaim, yeah, the yeah. the descendants of the giants or some other form of giants from the Nephilim. So recall that their ancestors died in the flood mm-hmm. of Noah, yeah. and that's how we got the, the devils, the demons. Now, the Strong's Concordance entry for the Hebrew word ob uh, goes on to explore the, the etymology or the origin of the word ob, the word familiar spirit. It's a soothsayer who evokes the manes, and M-A-N-E-S, manes is an old word for spirits. Okay. Okay. A soothsayer who evokes the manes of the dead by the power of incantations and magical songs in order to give answers as to future or doubtful things. So evidently, demons, spirits, unclean spirits or familiar spirits can see something of the future. Whether it's true or not. Yeah, it keeps coming up in each one of these references that you bring. It's all about seeing into the future. And why is that? I mean, so yeah. you could, what, I mean, why, what's so important about seeing the future unless you had something to gain from yes. it, right? monetarily or power wise or something like that? And of course, when I was putting this together and I kept seeing that same common 
theme reoccurring uh-huh. as I did this research, John. So you you picked up on it too. Future, telling the future, divining the future. So it, it makes me think of the time when Jesus was uh, approaching the tombs and the man came out and he was possessed with legion, I think it was, right? Yes. But the point I'm making is they said to him, I think it was son of God, you're here before your time, right? Something along those lines. I'm obviously yes. butchering it, right? But you're not, they knew the future. You're close. Somewhat, he said, right? have you come to torment us before the time? The time, yeah. So they knew a time, a date of judgment. They were the obviously future. like, you're, you're not supposed to be here yet. Right. Kind of is what they were saying. Yes. And so they must have some insight into that. So back mm-hmm. to what I was kind of talking about when I noticed the same thread going on. Time travel. Is it yeah. possible for some entities, maybe not humans, but maybe demons? And that's going to be another episode. We're yeah. going to talk about time travel. So we can stick that in the back of our hats, you know, and, and save that for this next conversation that we'll have about that. Okay. Yeah. Mm. But that's what just popped up into my head as I read that. But more fascinating than that, this same Strong's Concordance entry about the word Ob or familiar spirits goes on to say, talking about telling the future, especially it denotes a python or a soothsaying demon of which these men were believed to be possessed. A man or a woman when a python is in them. And then they they note, with the ancients, the serpent was an emblem of cunning and wisdom. Hi, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider being a full-time subscriber. We are going to use these funds to expand the message and get the word out about what's in the Bible that the world doesn't want you to know about. That's right, John. We appreciate you listening, but we'd love it if you'd subscribe. That way we can reach more people with the time we have left. So enjoy the rest of the podcast, but think about subscribing if the Lord puts it on your heart. To subscribe, just go to BibleMysteries.Supercast.com. Thanks. Hmm. Well, that's just exactly what the Bible tells us. Yeah. And the word python, you know what a python is, right? Gigantic snake. Yeah. Nasty looking. (laughs) They can get big. Ever seen the eyes on those things? Oh. Evil looking man. (laughs) Right. Well, when I saw that, of course, it stood out to me. Python, serpent, reptile. Yeah. So I started researching the word python. And serpents... uh, evidently were considered to be the familiar spirit demons. Okay. So why serpents? In fact, the word python comes from a Greek myth, and hence it's because a python is a snake or a serpent. Yeah. It's called a python because according to the online etymology dictionary, which anybody can go look up, python is the name of the fabled serpent slain by Apollo, one of the Greek gods, near Delphi. It's from the Latin python, the Greek python, and it means serpent slain by Apollo. And it's probably related to pitho, which is the old name for Delphi. Now, Delphi is important because throughout uh, pagan religious practices, there was something called the Oracle of Delphi. You might have even heard of that phrase. I'm not sure. I had heard of it, but I had no connect, yeah. no knowledge of what it was. You know, but the Oracle of Delphi is often referring to somebody that has this wisdom of things that are going to come to pass. Okay. I think they call Warren Buffett the Oracle of Omaha. 
Okay, because you can predict stocks or something? Yeah, okay. so, and it's a play on the Oracle of Delphi. Gotcha. Okay, but the Oracle of Delphi was a necromancer said to predict the future by means of familiar spirit that dwelt in the temple of Pitho. So Pitho, Python, serpent, hmm. there's a okay. connection there, yeah. right? Hint, familiar spirits are tied to serpents. So then you got to figure, well, why? Why would they be serpents? If they're giants that died in the flood and these are their disembodied spirits, yeah. what connection do they have to serpents? Unless they're fathers, the sons of God, the fallen angels, yes. might have had something to do with that. Now we're getting back to Karen and the handlers. Her okay. handler, right? Okay. okay. Now, yeah. in the Septuagint, which is the Greek translation of the Masoretic Hebrew text okay. of the Old Testament, almost always renders ob, familiar spirit, to the Greek word in the plural form, and it's the Greek word for ventriloquist. Okay. Now, we know a ventriloquist as somebody like Jeff Dunham with, you know... Yeah, the, it doesn't move his Walter, mouth. Yeah, okay, exactly. Yeah. Uh, but they say this is a correct rendering because ventriloquists amongst the ancients, because this is a, an old art form. It's not just a modern thing of a guy with a dummy. Okay. Okay. It's a, they commonly abuse the art of inward speaking for magical purposes. How then could it be that the same Hebrew word, ob, for familiar spirits, could express a bottle, like a water skin bottle, and a ventriloquist? Apparently from the magician, when possessed with the demon, being as it were a bottle or vessel and sheath of this python hmm. or demon. So when you think about it, ventriloquism has a, a sinister demonic origin. Now, not maybe pretty, somebody just doing it for entertainment today isn't trying to, you yeah. know, it's a practice, it's an art. But evidently it came from the fact that when a person was possessed by a familiar spirit, their lips were moving, but the voice was a demon and literally okay. referred to as a python. Yeah, I'm looking at what you just referenced there. It says the art of inward speaking. And I'm going, what is inward speaking? So I'm, I, maybe my simple mind is having a hard time getting past the ventriloquist part. Yeah. Because inward speaking, that is like you're talking, but your lips aren't moving. But what you've got to do is take away the modern understanding of ventriloquist yeah. and go with the original understanding of it. A person possessed by a demon and the demon is speaking through them. Yeah. Inward speaking. So you're just the shell of the person, hence the water bottle, right? The vessel, yes. Yeah, and then that being is speaking through you. Yes. Ooh. Scary. Yeah. Right? And, and which tells me that some of these magicians that do some freakishly weird things like David Blaine... You know, that's black uh, magic. Yeah, it's gotta be black that's magic. that's a cult. So there's a connection yeah. to demons and magic. No doubt about yeah. it. You know, as a matter of fact, an interesting thing, a friend of mine who is a very uh, amateur layperson student of Hebrew mm -hmm. told me and shared with me that in, you know, in the first verse of the Bible, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. There's a barashit in the beginning, uh, uh, bara created Elohim, God. And we'll, we'll get into this at some point. Okay. Uh, but bara is to create. And um, he was telling me that there's a phrase somewhere that's a-bara uh, a ka-bara. Okay. Which is from words of nothing he created matter. I, I'm doing a terrible job of yeah, translating yeah. that, but it's essentially out of nothing spoke God and something appeared. Okay. All right, that's yeah, Hebrew. Yeah. Abracadabra. Hmm. That's where that comes from. It's Hebrew. 
What does a magician say? I'm going to pull a rabbit out of my hat. Abracadabra. Yeah. Right? That's wild yeah. to me. It's like Satan trying to immolate God through magic. Hmm. Right? Anyway, I digress. Well, so, hold on. I have to digress before, okay. you, before you move forward because you just said something about David Blaine. Yeah. And my first reaction was, that's black magic. I kind of Correct me if I'm wrong here. There is no th- difference between black magic and quote-unquote white magic. And I just want to make sure that I don't say something on the podcast that... Because it's all magic, right? Yeah. God says, do not do divination. Do not do these, uh, you know, soothsaying, things like that. So for me to say, well, that's black magic. That yeah. doesn't mean that white magic is okay. Like right? Disney magic. Exactly. So I don't <laughs> want to be that guy because I, and I also don't want a bunch of people writing in going, well, you know, you got black magic, but you also are missing out that there's white magic. We shouldn't be doing either one of them. Yeah, I think it's Satan's intention for people to think that white magic is okay and black magic yeah, is bad. That's part of the deception. But I don't yeah. believe that's true. Yeah, I yeah. think all magic is bad. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, Absolutely. I was trying to clarify that before yeah, you got gone. Because I'm the one that brought it up. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I feel better now. Well, it's funny how uh, in the Strong's um, entries about all these words that um, the python was considered to be a demon and the ancients considered serpents to be wise and cunning. Well, we know the first appearance of a serpent in the Bible is Genesis 3.1. Yeah. When the serpent spoke to Eve, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said unto the woman, Yea, hath God said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden. That's Genesis 3.1. Yeah. And by the way, people sometimes write me and say, You mispronounce the word subtle. Well, subtle is S-U-B-T-L-E. Yeah. This word, it comes from this, but the original spelling was subtil, S-U-B-T-I-L. And it literally was pronounced subtil. At the time in 1611. Is there a different meaning? Uh, well, it, we think of subtle as like soft and easygoing. Yeah. Exactly. But subtil here, sub is under. Okay. Till is like utility. Like think of tilling the ground with yeah, the hand. Yeah. It's it's using your hands. Okay. Till. So subtil means underhanded. Hmm. Okay. Yeah. Sneaky, cunning, or crafty, right? Well, hmm. this serpent is literally the devil. We know that from Revelation 12, verse 9. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. That's a future passage that hasn't occurred yet. But mm-hmm. Satan is the original serpent. The yeah. Bible ties him back to that. Or dragon. Now, why is he referred to as a dragon if he was created as a cherub? You know, yeah. we know with Lucifer, the anointed cherub, the king yeah. of Tyrus, uh, was a cherub. But he's called the great dragon, that old dragon, that old serpent called the devil. Mm-hmm. So I started making me think, you know, why a dragon? Well, what if he originally was a reptilian being, a beautiful, glowing, gorgeous yeah. reptile entity like something else in the Bible that is clearly a godly thing, and they're called seraphim. Okay. You ever heard that phrase, seraphim? I have. I've never uh, affiliated it with a serpentine or reptilian being. Yeah. Well, here's here's the fun part. Okay. Okay. So the prophet Isaiah saw angelic beings called seraphim who were in the service of God in heaven. Mm-hmm. They dwelt before the throne of God, and they had access to the altar in heaven. Okay. Okay? And in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 3, he writes, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Train is not like a locomotive. 
train is has to do with the garment and, okay. and his okay. attendance and whatever. Above it, stood, uh, think of the train of like a wedding ga- gown. Yeah, you know that's one yeah. example. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With twain or two, he covered his face. With twain, he covered his feet. And with twain, he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Now, so I had to look up the word seraphims. And it's the Hebrew word seraph. Okay. Seraph. And it's a serpent, a fiery serpent, a poisonous serpent, fiery from the burning effect of poison. And seraph or seraphim are majestic beings with six wings, human hands or voices, and attendance upon God. Hmm. So we just read that. So seraphim are serpent-like beings. So are you saying then that there's, you know, God obviously created all kinds of beings. Yes. Seraphim are serpent-like beings, and that Satan was one of them, and then he had the fall. So then that's where we started the whole what you're talking about? I think so. Now, Satan was never called a seraphim. He is called a cherubim or cherub. Yeah, okay. Exactly. But perhaps they too have a serpent like quality to wow. them. Okay. You know, because, and which kind of gets back to that whole thing of when God says, let us make man in our image rather than the image of yeah. the dragon entities. Yeah. And God made it a man, and so we look more like God, like Jesus Christ would have, yeah, because yeah. he's the express image of his person. Now, these seraphim, I'm going to contend that maybe they're not all good. Like you said, yeah. Satan was a cherub, and he rebelled. Maybe some of the seraphim rebelled with him. Hmm. And maybe both cherubim and seraphim are serpent-like in their appearance. We know other cherubs have a, a four faces, and they're n- none of them are um, dragons. Well, it kind of makes sense. I mean, I've often thought about this throughout my entire Christian life, how Satan had the ability to convince one-third of the angels to rebel against God. Mm-hmm. And I've thought, man, that is just crazy that they would even think that that is possible, that they yeah. can pull that off, right? Right. Well, if there's different levels of angelic beings, right, and obviously the seraphim, if they're at the altar of God, they're probably pretty high up in the hierarchy, I would say they're the highest created the highest. beings. Yeah, so seraphim. You're not going to convince a bunch of guys who are low down on the hierarchy who are just, you know, whatever the worker bees in heaven because I don't have good terminology. And that works. You're going to go get the guys that are surrounding God and His altar. If you can convince them, they if they have enough pride in their heart and then they say, you know what, we can actually pull this off. Yeah, I don't know. It blows my mind to think that they even thought that, right? Well, here's but one. But then they did it. But my my point is, you're not going to get a bunch of low level yeah. angels or angelic beings. You're going to have to go get the most powerful ones to try to pull it off. Well, here's one that, since you just said that, it put a theory in my head. The serpent, when he appeared to Eve, said, "If you eat this fruit, that God forbade you not yeah. to eat, you shall be as gods." True. Knowing good and evil. Small C. So, yeah. So the idea yeah. was you can be like us, gods. Yeah. Uh, you will go from where you are now to a higher level mm-hmm. of intelligence and of existence. You know, you can be, you can have this grandeur of the gods, if you mm-hmm. will. Mm-hmm. What if the anointed cherub, Lucifer, when he rebelled, so, and, and like I said, a cherub in the book of Ezekiel has four faces of a man, an ox, 
a lion, and an eagle, not a reptile. But what if in Lucifer's desire to be more, he says, well, the next level up above me is the seraphim. The fiery serpents Which of God. Which is a whole other concept because I think people will probably think that Lucifer was probably at the top of the food chain, right? Not I, lower than he the wasn't. seraphim. I'm right? thinking he wasn't. I don't think he was uh, uh, there. But he was the most beautiful is the way it's he described in the Bible. It just says he was the sum of his imperfect and Perfect in, in all his ways, yeah. right? Until sin was found yeah. in him. Right. So what if in his attempt to ascend... He changed form to become a seraphim, or he did something to genetically manipulate himself. Hmm. You know, I mean, they've got this advanced technology. Yeah. Yeah, So maybe he did. And other cherubs did it too, other dragon princes. There's seven heads to the dragon, to the beast of Revelation 13. Okay. So could there be six other? This gets back to Timothy Alberino in his book, Birthright. You know, and could there be other dragon princes who were either seraphim that rebelled, or could they have been cherubs that tried to advance into another level that they weren't created for, Uh and therefore they became dragons, seraphim-like, but but distorted because of evil and what what have you, instead of being the true seraphim. And so it seems to be like changes in these... Angels are possible because the Bible says that the devil is transformed into an angel of light. You know, yeah. so they, they seem to be shape shifting entities of some kind. Hmm. And there's evidence for that in Revelation 9. Wow. Notice there's going to be some serpent like entities that come out of the bottomless pit. In Revelation 9 17, and thus I saw the horses in the vision and them that sat on them having breastplates of fire and of jacinth and brimstone, and the heads of these horses were as the heads of lions. So these are monsters. Yeah. And out of their mouths issued fire and smoke and brimstone. By these were, uh, three was the third part of men killed by the fire and by the smoke and by the brimstone, which issued out of their mouths. For their power is in their mouth and in their tails. For their tails were like unto serpents and had heads, and with them they do hurt. Hmm. And so there's something serpent-like about these horse creatures that come out of the bottomless pit. And also in verse 10, there are these locusts that come out. And it says they had tails like unto scorpions, and were, there were stings in their tails in verse, uh, Revelation 9, 10, and 11. And their power was to hurt men five months. And they had a king over them, which is the angel of the bottomless pit, whose name in the Hebrew tongue is Abaddon, but in the Greek tongue, catch this, hath his name Apollyon. Mm-hmm. Apollo, yeah. who defeated the Python at Delphi. I'm telling you, there's some truth to these Greek legends, yeah. you know. So it's my conviction that when one third of the angels joined Lucifer in his rebellion against the Lord in the ancient past, and we see this in Revelation 12, it is very likely that some of the seraphim, or maybe cherubs uh, seeking to become seraphim, they were high ranking officers in that rebellion. Hmm. Okay. And it's also very likely that other cherubs were part of this insurrection as well, and that they are the principalities and powers referred to in Ephesians 6, 12. These could all be like dragon princes or reptilian beings who are manipulating world affairs as they prepare to fight Michael and his angels in the very near future. Hmm. So I'm thinking reptilians have been manipulating governments of men all this time. And uh, one last 
passage that's very interesting, which will tie us back into some things, not the last passage, but one of the last things I want to mention about serpents here, uh, connected to the word seraph or seraphim, is not only was it translated as seraphim, which are these beings, these angels, but in Isaiah 14, verse 29, we read, Rejoice not thou whole Palestina, which is the land of Israel, because the rod of him that smote thee is broken. That's a reference to the Assyrian oppressor, okay. which is the basically the uh, uh, it's a type of the Antichrist. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But it says, "For out of the serpent's root shall come forth a cockatrice, and his fruit shall be a fiery flying serpent." And that word is seraph. So this is a prophecy of the Antichrist, or seed of the serpent, yeah. which we know from Genesis 3.15 is the, the seed of thy seed, he said, shall bruise the heel of the seed of the woman. Yeah. It was a prophecy of Jesus Christ. And Christ ultimately is going to crush his head. So the seed of the serpent is the son of perdition, or Antichrist. I'm starting to understand now why he's called the beast. The Antichrist. Yes. Because okay. a beast is not human. Yeah. He's part human, but he's something else. The son of perdition will be a hybrid human dragon entity fathered by the serpent himself. Hmm. A Nephilim in every sense of the word, but fathered by a reptilian dragon. And potentially able to shapeshift, too. Possibly. Certainly the dragon could. Yeah. Whether or not their offspring could, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, but it's my conviction that the fallen angels, hmm. or at least those in commander and high rank, with with the dragon, uh, they are seraph type beings. Yeah. If not seraph themselves originally created, they maybe were cherubs that were trying to raise their level okay. and join the ranks of them, and therefore they're reptilians, like I said, in every sense of the word, who likely can change their form at will. Hmm. Since we know his ministers can be transformed as the uh, you know ministers of righteousness. Yeah. Transformed is the word there. And what's really interesting, and this will be the last passage, okay. um, that when Jesus scolded the religious leaders mm-hmm. of Israel who did not believe on him, in Matthew 12, 34, he said, O generation of vipers, how can ye, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart the mouth speaketh. Now, several times Jesus referred to the religious leaders as vipers or serpents. Mm-hmm. And he also said, you are of your father, the devil, yeah. which ties us back to the python and these demonic entities. Evidently, I'm beginning to think that the Nephilim giants were fathered by angels that were maybe reptilians. That could shapeshift, mm-hmm. right? Uh-huh. Probably presented themselves as some pretty good looking guys to the women yeah. on earth. Like the handler. Yeah. That Karen writes yeah. about, Karen Wilkinson. So there's a reason Jesus called the religious leaders vipers. He wasn't just trying to be insulting. Yeah. You know, vipers are poisonous serpents. And the doctrine of the Pharisees and Sadducees was indeed poison. We talked about that in the Song of Moses. They were just as possessed by demons mm. as the Oracle of Delphi, resisting the truth of Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, they had pythons in them. The unclean spirits of the Nephilim dwelt in the leaders of Israel to mislead the people of Israel and oppose the Son of God, and they're going to do it again. And that's where the world is right now, I think. Reptilians are preparing the world 
Well, to now fight you against my, the Lord you Jesus have my brain Christ. doing backflips right now <laughs> because I'm going. Uh, you're talking, and I, uh, I have a bad habit of this, but I'm thinking about other stuff, and I'm sitting here going, man, how many of these people in government are reptilians that are just presenting themselves as humans? I bet more than we realize. And then, of course, then I thought about the fallen angels who probably came down and seduced human women. That yeah. They probably presented themselves as being, you know, these guys that are seven feet tall and all muscular and good looking. And I thought, well, if they're doing that, then we'd be able to see them. It's like, nah, they're smarter than that. They're not going to be some, if they're in government, they're not going to be some great looking guy because then they stick out like a sore thumb. They're presenting themselves to look like just the average Joe that's not to reference anybody who's in power right now or anything yeah. like that, but you know what I mean. Like these people that are behind the scenes, probably controlling politicians, yeah. are the ones that potentially could be shape shifting reptilian, demonic beings. You know, that's in my, crazy. In my opinion, some of them look a little reptilian, like Noah Yuval Harari. Yeah, he looks like a lizard person. <laughs> I'm just saying, maybe he. Yeah. They didn't do a very good job. He's kind of like a salamander. Disguising, <laughs> yeah. But you know, did you ever see a series back in the, I think '80s called V? I did. Do you remember that where they were lizard reptilian aliens? Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I just remember the lady. They were disguised. Who was like the head. Yeah, she was beautiful. And, yeah, she was really good looking. But they were disguised as humans. It, yeah. But they were they were going to eat us. Was <laughs> that what they were here for? Yeah, that's okay. what they were there for. They were actually here to, to to harvest human beings for food consumption. Okay. So maybe it's time to go back and rewatch that series and and. Hey, they're always foreshadowing. I aren't think they? I think that out of Hollywood, they're always telling symbolism. us something. Well, we're going to have um, Tina Griffin on soon from the Counterculture Mom Show. Okay. And she has some things to say about that. Well, so I'm Hollywood. Like, I really look forward to that. My question about Hollywood, and we're going off on a tangent here, is why do they feel the need to foreshadow and tell us so much? Because it's not just the show V. You can go through countless movies and shows where they are foreshadowing things that are happening. The Simpsons is crazy, right? Yeah. All this stuff. Why do they feel the need to tell us what's coming? It could be a couple of reasons. One is they're boasting. The other is yeah. symbolism is so important to them. They like to, to display it. Yeah, I think it's one other thing possibly, and that is they're contractually contractually obligated to do this. God gave men dominion of the earth. Ah, okay. This is the yeah. fine print that's disguised. So, so they we have won't to give us to, the disclaimer. Yeah, okay. but but this but make it look like it's fiction. Yeah. When in reality, that oh, people are accepting that. Okay, that that's that means hmm. you you are signing you're signing away on the contract. Well, that should be a great interview with Tina. Then, yeah. When is that again? Uh, it's we'll be interviewing her next week, and it will be out if not March, then April. Okay. Yeah, well, folks, you need to look forward. Hang on to listen to that. Then. Yeah, look forward to that. She hmm. she's got some experience with Hollywood, and she's going to tell us some things about media manipulation. So, John, that'll wrap it up for now. Okay, lots of reptilians out there. Yeah, so watch out for the next person. The next person you vote for, look for a lizard tongue. (laughs) Right. Well, thank you, John. Appreciate you being a part of the show. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thank you all for listening. Until next time, don't forget to look up because our redemption draws near. Thank you for listening. If you like what you heard, please consider subscribing to our premium ad-free content at BibleMysteriesPodcast.com.